0: So um, today's reading, um, which you may recognize, uh, is from John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 to 8. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus to us to show us what you're like. Thank you, Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Come speak to us now about who you are. Come speak to us about um, your your purposes for your church, your purposes for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. It's always important to pray before um, the preacher preaches, um, because the the preacher's words are not infallible. (laughs) God is. um, And, you know, some of the best testimonies I've had from sermons I've I've preached has been where somebody's told me afterwards about what God was saying to them. And it was totally different from anything I was saying. Um, And I sort of had to swallow my pride a little bit, because it was nothing to do with anything I'd prepared. But actually, isn't that what we want? We want the Lord to be speaking to each one of us. So, We pray for me as I speak, we pray for ourselves um, that we'd be open to what God is saying to us today. The story is told of an area on the outskirts of a city with fruitful soil. Uh, Sitting on the banks of a river, this area was cultivated over centuries into an expansive orchard whose trees were laden each year with apples and pears and cherries and damsons. The fruit was harvested and taken into the city uh, center where it was sold in the great markets, feeding the people of the city, making its way to the tables of slum dwellers as well as kings and queens. The fruit nourished the city, which thrived and prospered. The city grew, transforming the orchard into a suburb from where people would travel on the newly constructed railway into town to work. Houses were built, a university, the heart of it all, a church whose roof towered above its surroundings. Yet the evidence of its agricultural roots remained. A row of fruit trees tucked between rows of houses, gardens which still bore good fruit. One part of the area was made famous for the cultivating new varieties of strawberries, um, which are now commonly sold in supermarkets across the land, including the large Tesco that sits where the fruit once grew. And the area I'm talking about, of course, is St. Margaret's on Thames and Ivybridge, our parish. The church at the heart of it is All Souls. Throughout this month, we've been um, outlining from this passage in John 15 the vision of all souls church i want you to know that this vision is not something that we've just plucked out of thin air Um, it's something that has emerged through much discussion and prayer and i believe is deeply grounded in the heritage of this place Um, the process of discernment for the future of all souls dates back to the writing of the parish profile which is the kind of the document written about the church, um, approved by the the PCC, the church leadership, which is essentially the advert for this church um, uh, during the vacancy to which prospective vicars addressed their application and their interview. That's what I did Uh, when I applied. I saw this profile. I prayed about it with other people, and it seemed to sort of fit with the journey that I was on, um, which I shared a little bit about last Sunday. Um, so I applied, um, and the rest is history. Um, at the heart of this vision is this theme of fruitfulness. It's this idea that the church is not just a social club or an institution for times of great national significance, as we've seen in these past weeks. Or a hoop that you have to jump through to get a school place. Um, you know, if that last one is you, by the way, know that it's us two at the moment. Um, it turns out that you can't sign your own church school forms if you're a vicar. <laughs> it's much sending of letters across the country. Anyway, um, All Souls sits literally in a place that was made famous for its fruit production. And over the years, this church has fulfilled that name, fulfilled that vocation in so many ways. Um, And so the vision now really is that we step into a new season of fruitfulness as the Church of All Souls, St. Margaret's, today. So we've been asking um, this question, what does fruitfulness look like for disciples of Jesus? Um, Let's say these together. I've said them out loud quite a few times. So the goals of discipleship to Jesus are to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. So we've covered uh, numbers one and two on previous Sundays. Today we're looking at number three, doing what Jesus did. So let's look at this reading from John 15 one last time. I'm I'm aware in this series I've kind of neglected to do the kind of verse-by-verse analysis uh, of this passage, but we've been sort of chipping away at it gradually. It's an amazing passage at the heart of this farewell speech by Jesus to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And the words in these verses are challenging, um, but Jesus wrapped them with some of the most famous words of comfort and hope at a, a time of intense grief and loss. Uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled, he says. Trust in God. Trust in me. And those words are commonly read at funerals. Um, indeed, they were Read on Monday when Archbishop Justin spoke about being Jesus' disciples, his apprentices, his followers, explaining that in this chapter, Jesus doesn't tell them uh, how to follow, he tells them who to follow. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said that's hopefully what's coming through in this series. Of course, we need to unpack and, and think through the, the how. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus today? How do we share the good news of the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus preached uh, in a way that connects with people in 21st century London? But ultimately, our message, our gospel, our pattern is a person, not a philosophy. God incarnate, born to live among us. Bringing us back to God, bringing us back to our right selves to save us and to restore us. So that even as our bodies age and decay, we are inwardly transformed and renewed. And the way of life as his disciples is to imitate his way of life. To live not um, you know, as a first century Jew. Um, this isn't about sort of reversing 2,000 years and sort of shunning technology. Um, maybe our phones a little bit. Um, It's about mapping how Jesus lived then onto our lives today to expand on the um, kind of classic 1990s phrase, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's what would Jesus do if he were living my life today? Um, Although that doesn't fit on a wristband quite so handily, does it? (laughs) So for example, Jesus did not drive a car. He did not do internet banking. He did not do charity cake sales as far as I'm aware. So our job then is to interpret together what it would have looked like if he had. That's what the church is for. It's for people to come into relationship with Jesus and then to teach us how to live our lives in relation to Him, with him, like him, for him. That's uh, the goal. And we'll be returning um, in a few weeks to our, this sort of series in acts that we were doing over the summer, looking at the early days of the church and what we can learn about being church. Uh, uh, today. So three things from this passage, and then we're going to jump um, elsewhere. First up, Jesus talks about um, these kind of fruitful and unfruitful branches. The difference, he says, in verses 5 to 6, is made by remaining in the vine or not. Now, this doesn't need too much explanation. We're not so agrarian these days, but we get that right. Detached branch does not bear fruit, not for long anyway. Interestingly, Jesus talks about these fruitful branch the fruitful branches get pruned or cleaned the word is actually the same it's just translated differently at different points in this passage but the impression you get from both of those words pruned and cleaned is is an idea of kind of preparation um which is not always easy or comfortable but is necessary and helpful for ongoing fruitfulness and this has been the testimony of Christians through the ages. Uh, you can't read the Gospels and conclude, uh, follow Jesus, remain in him, and you will have a happy, easy life. You know, um, that's not the Gospel. Life is hard, bitterly so at times, for Christians as well. And the Bible has a lot to say about suffering. And, you know, the fact is that Christian faith is able to, to bring some meaning to suffering in a way that the secular world totally fails to do. So I'm glad Jesus said this because otherwise it would have smacked of a scam that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Scrutiny. Remain in me, bear fruit, easy life. I don't think so. Remember tradition um, you know, has it that most, if not all of um, these 12 disciples he was talking to were martyred. So our motivation for remaining in him is not an easy life. It's about bearing really, really good fruit in our lives. Second, um, a reminder that Jesus doesn't command you to be fruitful in this passage. It's very easy uh, to hear, you better start bearing fruit or you're finished. You're just firewood. Come on, bear some fruit. Jesus doesn't command his disciples to bear fruit. He commands them to remain in him, in relationship with him, saying that if they do this, then the fruit will come down the line. Do you see the difference? And remember, bearing fruit is a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. We live in a world that expects instant results, but fruit, good fruit, doesn't grow quickly. Even the best trees have bad seasons or fallow seasons. So don't read these verses as a bar to clear. We sort of said this before. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. I'm gentle, I'm lowly of heart. So this isn't an assessment, it's a slow process of transformation. And again, I just want to give you the um, kind of Joe version of verse 8, which is actually the translation of a, a lot of versions of the Bible. I think this is more true to the original meaning. Jesus concludes, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, becoming rather than showing yourselves to be my disciples it's that idea again of change so we commit to being disciples of jesus remember um we were saying last week we are all being discipled we are all being formed by something or someone no exceptions the only question is by whom or by what we are being shaped and if we remain discipled to him over time we start to bear fruit and the fruit that comes from following jesus brings glory to god That's the kind of process we're looking at. So how do we know that Jesus expects us to do what he did? Because that can maybe feel like a bit of a stretch. Well, like the apprentice today, the goal of the disciple is to become what their teacher, what their rabbi is. If you're an apprentice plumber, your ultimate goal is not just to learn the theory of plumbing. It's to become a plumber. You can actually do that stuff. I've got um, three kids. Uh, you know, one idea was we, we had was to get them trained as a, a plumber, a mechanic, and a dentist. The three sort of high-level trust professions where you're just completely in the hands of the person. Um, <laughs> um, although I'm not sure which one I'd be happy of our children putting a drill in my mouth, but there we go. Um, <laughs> so it's implicit in the role description of a disciple, isn't it, that um, they are to do what their teacher does. And so, uh, Matthew Uh, 10 verse 5 to 8, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Um, He said, do not go amongst the Gentiles or enter any town of Samaritans for now. That would come later. Rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give in other words, Jesus has been doing this stuff for a while. Now he says, you've watched me, now it's your turn. This is a direct instruction to his disciples. Do what I have done. But is that just them? Skip to Jesus' final words in Matthew's gospel before he leaves them. It's chapter 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Son. And the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See the uh, with you bit again. Um, uh, somebody pointed out Matthew's gospel is bookended with God um, uh, being about with, being with God. God being with us. Emmanuel at the beginning. God um, with us. Jesus is born. Jesus says his final thing, I will be with you. He doesn't say go make believers. Of all nations, all peoples, he says, go make disciples. So, following the logic, Jesus' disciples were meant to do what he did, then they were meant to make more disciples out of us, that is, all nations. And then we become disciples who do what the disciples do, that is, what their teacher does. So, that's our job spec, it's not just theirs to do what Jesus did. So what did jesus do well um once again i'm turning to this uh, kind of list by john mark como who created this list of some of the things that jesus got up to during the three years of his ministry um, which is a little bit bonkers isn't it everything we know about jesus um, pretty much came from three years of ministry i've been here coming on half of that now um, so jesus preached the gospel he taught the way he healed the sick he cast out demons he ate and drank with people often people who are far from god He did justice. He made peace. He prayed, Alistair's saying. He prophesied. He stood against the religious and political corruption. You can throw in walking on water as a bonus. Uh, Peter had a go at that one, didn't he? And of course, um, dying. You know, last bit of scripture for today, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to follow me, whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. Um, so this is how the little strap line that you might have noticed in the um, term card. Do grab your term card. We've got a lot of these, so please do keep taking them away and posting them through your neighbor's doors and things like that. But the little strap line that you might have seen um, at the beginning of that uh, came together. The past two weeks, we've, looking, we've been looking at a church that is about being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. And finally, the, 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 the third bit is for everyone hang on there we go so with jesus like jesus for everyone jesus says whoever whoever wants to be my disciple you know, jesus stood out as a rabbi remember we looked at this the first week um because he took ordinary people as his apprentices not just the cream of the crop which was the the cultural norm of the day so the invitation to be a disciple of jesus is for everybody but notice the second half of that phrase those who choose this path are called to deny themselves and take up their cross which means we don't get to set the terms of discipleship we don't just get to kind of be our best selves as the world tells us it's not all about fulfilling ourselves it's kind of the opposite it's Jesus' upside down kingdom fulfillment comes through denying ourselves and taking up our cross being prepared to Echo the words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to his Father, not my will, but yours. And again, that is a deeply countercultural idea, isn't it? So there's the strap line from this um, vision, really. All souls as a church of people who are seeking to be with Jesus, to become like him, um, and for everyone, for the sake of everyone, for the sake of the world. All are welcome and all are called to follow him. Should probably have had some better graphics of that. Um, That can come in time, right? Um, (laughs) So again, we're not gonna go into great detail about the how today. We'll be doing that in the months and years ahead, hopefully. But what I hope you'll notice is, both in the life of the church and in your own lives, that there's lots that we're doing already that kinda comes under this category of stuff Jesus did. Um, You notice a man or a woman begging and you give them dignity by just greeting them you know that's something that jesus did yeah this isn't about a a blank slate saying everything we've been doing or are doing is is you know wrong we're starting afresh it's about having a clear understanding and a rationale for why we do what we do but here are a few suggestions if you want to take a little practical homework away this week um which i kind of hope you do um here's that list again take a look Maybe pick one, have a go, see what happens. A few thoughts first, keep it simple. You could try raising the dead, but that seems like a big first step. (laughs) Sometimes it's just about the really ordinary stuff, isn't it? You know, sometimes we forget that while Jesus was the son of God incarnate, you know, he, he, he came to be a typical human being like us, maybe not completely typical, but typical human being. His life looked like our lives. He shared our emotions, our joys, our longings. Imitating him doesn't have to always be about the sort of quote-unquote super spiritual stuff. To Jesus, there was no distinction between the spiritual stuff and the not-spiritual. It was all spiritual stuff, everything. Take the food thing, you know. Jesus did a lot around the table. Um, There was, I can't remember who the, the... who, who wrote the book but there was a couple of quotes that his theory was um, it said what the Son of Man it was a verse in Luke the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost and then another verse was the Son of Man came eating and drinking so therefore Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost by eating and drinking we can all do that um, maybe you could think about how your meals can be a time to draw close to Jesus in some way each Friday evening at dinner, we answer three questions around our table. Um, whoever's at the table has to answer these questions too. One thing that we're thankful for from this week, one thing that has been hard this week, and one thing that we need from the weekend. Everyone around the table answers those. We share them around the table. We share them with God. That's bringing Jesus into our meal mealtimes. One of the, is, uh, one of the sh- shortest verses in the Bible says this, practice hospitality. You know, I know that's not practical necessarily for everyone here, but you, know, you can connect up with someone who can. You can share your ideas for what a perfect sandwich spread would be now after this morning. And you can maybe host a meal together. It's something that we do when um, we have regular welcome meals. We've got one coming up in, I think, about three weeks' time, isn't it? For anyone who's a newcomer, we want to get round a table together because it's a place of special connection. Uh, second, just remember those four elements of formation that we talked about last week. We talked last week about the uh, ways that the church, sorry, the ways that the world forms us. So how we become like Jesus. Um, the same applies for doing what he, he did. So it takes teaching because we don't automatically know it. It takes practice because we don't automatically do it. It takes community because we can't do it alone. And it takes the Holy Spirit because we definitely can't do it without him community will be key for taking this vision forward and then third um you know recognize that there is a sense of progression with these three goals it starts it all starts with being with jesus Um, and from being with jesus aka remaining in the vine we will start to become like him bearing the fruit of his presence in our lives and over time we progress to doing more and more of what he did so same as any deep friendship it starts with connection doesn't it and then that grows into kind of commonality and then we begin to sort of build on shared hobbies and activities things we do together that's what relationship looks like but don't think of it as a three-level progression where you move from one to the next, to the next. You know, vicars especially are guilty of this. It starts all out with being about Jesus, all about a relationship with Jesus and becoming like him. And gradually you take on doing more and more what he did. And in the midst of all the busyness, you ultimately forget that it's all about being with him. And the result is you end up doing all the right things for the wrong reasons. I'm sure some of you can relate to this. And you become grumpy and bitter about the things you're doing for Jesus, which is totally missing the point. In fact, there's a famous story um, about Jesus and Mary and Martha hanging out when uh, Jesus talks about this. We never, ever graduate from step one, being with Jesus. That's really where it starts and where it ends. Else it just becomes religious duty, or at least duty We find ourselves serving joylessly, which is no fun for us or for those around us. But I want to circle around and sort of come in towards landing by summarizing again how we've got here. I spoke at the top a little bit. This has been a process, this vision of the past 18 months or more. Um, from parish profile for the church, and then I, through a whole stack of conversations I've had with people since I started here. Um, particularly with work done by the PCC and the wardens uh, over the past 18 months, and a lot of prayer. Um, this time last year, uh, we had a, a PCC morning, so the PCC stands for the Parochial Church Council. It's a church kind of governance group. It's elected each year by you. And we spent time seeking the Lord for the priorities for this next season, season, asking kind of questions where do we think the Lord wants us to be in the next three to five years. And um, it's all taken a bit longer to come together than we'd hoped, perhaps, and I think that's just symptomatic of the last few crazy years that we've had. But um, we're there now, or at least we're getting close, I think. Something else I probably should have mentioned um, along the way a little bit more were these three priorities that the PCC set back in the Easter term, Uh, for 2022, which were um, uh, one, develop opportunities for people to connect with and and within the church. uh, Two, invest in our work with children and young people. And three, reboot our ministry with Ivy Bridge. We've been working towards those priorities throughout the year, but if you um, look actually, if you realize this retrospectively, they fit the three goals, if you like, of being disciples of Jesus. The first one is about enabling to people to be with jesus the second is about formation isn't it you know becoming like jesus um, we all know that childhood and particularly the teenage years are crucial for who we become and that includes our faith journey and our focus on ivy bridge is about doing what we think would be important to jesus if he were living in our neighborhood today so you've got those three um goals if you like in those three priorities for this year so, something of the journey of the this year and I'll, I'll continue to share updates on progress as we go please don't think this is um a one-off this vision rooted in these verses is not a flash in the pan the idea is that this will more and more permeate who we are as a church individually as well as collectively and uh, shape who we become and what we do you know, in one sense the vision talking with someone in one sense the vision is who we are in five years time the vision is you in five years time except that sounds incredibly sort of consumeristic um but it is it's who we becoming and how so there'll be more preaching on the future of these themes being with jesus becoming like him doing what he did will be these threads that are woven in and, and through the teaching and life of all souls church in the months and years ahead i started with a tale of the, the, the parish Um, this parish is a place of historic fruitfulness and throughout this vision series we've been drawing on this image Jesus paints in John 15 of remaining in him bearing fruit yesterday morning I was with um, St. Stephen's Church PCC Um, you may or may not know that St. Stephen's planted um, agricultural language again planted um, into all souls church uh, 22 years ago when the diocese was preparing to close this church down planting is uh, when a group comes from another church and sort of to inject fresh energy and i was invited to go and share the with with them um, along with leaders of other churches planted by st stephens about what the lord is doing here um, and how they can pray for us um, which is just wonderful and i asked for a show of hands for any of them that have been around uh, when the plant took place, which turned out to be a really good number of them. Like about half the people in that, in that room were, were there when All Souls was replanted. Um, and I asked them if they remembered the banners that were hung when the plant happened, which are still up uh, behind me there. Uh, and they did. And of course, um, you may not be able to see this if you're watching from home. But the one on the right here, what is it? It's an image of a vine... And of branches and those branches are laden with fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, becoming my disciples. With Jesus like Jesus for everyone. Let's pray.